Do you or someone you know own a drone? Have you ever worked in advertising or caught yourself saying, you know what, this ad sucks? Or have you ever used the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side? If you connect with any one of these three things, tonight's show is for you. Let's get into it. talk for a minute about drones now if you're not familiar with drones you can go into best buy right now and buy a drone like these helicopter like we can call them toys but they're actually tools for filmmakers and that sort of thing and when they first came out there was all these strict laws about who can have a drone now keep in mind i'm I'm up here in canada talking about this you couldn't fly a drone almost anywhere without having a license or approval from like the National Aviation Board or whoever was in charge of it. Like it was a lot of work and a lot of policy and a lot of things. And I mean I get that. I get the fact that we need to make sure that people aren't flying drones, you know, in and out of traffic or in in front of airplanes and all that sort of stuff. But if I can walk into Best Buy and buy this toy or this tool Without a license or without any sort of like, hey, I promise to do my best with this, like, should I really be fine? Like, I've heard a story about a videographer who filmed some things downtown in one of our cities up here in Canada. And then he published it online and, you know, put his name to it. And then sure enough, about a month later, he got a, a fine for $2,500 in the mail because he broke some drone law. And I think this is dumb. I think this is dumb. If there's going to be these laws that we need to follow about this stuff, why not have a license? Why not have me to go get my drone license and ascribe to all these laws and best practices and all that sort of stuff? We do it for cars. We do it for a lot of things, right? And if we're going to treat these these drones the same way, well, then, then why not? And the way I look at it is like, listen, it's inevitable. Amazon is building a drone fleet to deliver us our goods, soon to be our groceries, our packages, all that sort of stuff. Like you've seen the video of the drone in, in the UK that's, that flew like nine miles to drop a package at the guy's door. Like that is our, our immediate future. I'm talking within one to two years. So why are we wasting all of our time trying to like slow down the drone progress? As far as I'm concerned, what I want is to be able to order my McDonald's delivery from a drone or my Domino's pizza from a drone and have it delivered to my door in about 10 minutes or less. That to me is euphoric and what I would consider my utopia. So if you are in the government and you're listening to this right now and it's like, hey, Greg, we can't do that with drones. I'm telling you, make it happen. It's better off for all of us. I had the privilege to go to camp tonight. Yeah, you know, camp by the lake with all your friends and was hanging out with some of my good friends and got into a great discussion with my wife on the way home about how, you know, some people are different than other people. I know this is obvious, but I'm speaking specifically about type A and type B people. Now, I have the privilege and the curse of being married to a type A woman while myself being a type B person, right? So the best example I have about this is I just went to New Brunswick on a little vacation to visit my family, and I had to take uh, a big piece of luggage, right? The ones I paid pay 25 bucks to put it underneath the plane because I didn't pack very well, right? I just threw everything into my suitcase that I needed, if it had a bag in it, if it was dirty, if it was clean, whatever. If you open it up my suitcase, it looked like an F5 tornado had gone through it. It was that, that, that not disgusting, but that much of a disorganized mess. 
Meanwhile, my wife, traveling with my daughter, my nine-month-old daughter, traveling longer than me, actually she had a stop in Toronto, had only a carry-on piece of luggage. And if you open it up, every single thing was folded. It was folded like perfectly up into a ball to take out the exact minimal amount of space that it was possible. She's brilliant. But the discussion we were getting into was how we always look at what we don't have and we go, oh, wouldn't that be nice? So, so in the case of a type A or type B person, that type A person goes, oh, I wish so-and-so was more like me and more type A. But what we don't understand is if we were to flip the script, right, and we say, like, oh, the grass is always greener, if I was to marry a type B person, nothing in my house would get done. Right? Like my wife is so organized and so great at keeping track of all that sort of stuff. And I'm so thankful for it, even though it drives me nuts sometimes. But where did this thing come from where we say the grass is always green on the other side? Because, I mean, it's not. Right? Like how often have you heard this story in jobs where people are like, I need to get out of my job because it sucks and I hate this person. My boss is brutal. And they quit their job and they go to the other side where the grass is inevitably greener. And it's not. It's just different, right? The things that you hated, yeah, you might have fixed those, but there's new things. There's new things that get in your way. And there's new things that slow you down. Or there's new things that, like with, with change, change becomes benefits and negatives. And there's positives and negatives to everything. And I think what I want for us is to be able to hold that into perspective with everything. Where it's like, you know what? In this moment, I would love if, you know, if, if things were different. But as a whole, you know what? It's it's just it's just change and change in that is inevitable and maybe I maybe I need to get better with change as a whole to say you know what it's maybe not worth the change or or the desire to go through that sort of stuff I don't know what do you guys think have you ever experienced a moment where the grass was actually greener and you left a situation where you're like you know what this is much better than it was before because I I know those situations exist but I think as a whole. More often than not, the grass isn't that oh, it's green. It's just it's just a different shade of green. Last but not least, I want to chat a little bit about advertising. Now, for those of you who don't know, I work in as a marketing consultant, and I work in social media and in content, and I work in a relatively smaller center, about two hundred fifty thousand people in my community, and I really think that the advertising industry is going to be broken and disrupted and changed drastically, right? Imagine in the 1980s, if you wanted something designed, or even like the 60s or the 50s or the 70s, whatever, if you wanted something designed, the tools for that were very, very limited and scarce, and you actually had to pay a professional to go design those things for you because no one else could do it. I couldn't pull up my computer or open my laptop and just you know kind of open up Canva or Photoshop and do it myself. That was, it was something that was unheard of. But now fast forward to 2017 and there's so many tools out there today that do the things that you want it to do or that can take can take what the the skills that you're looking for whether it be logo design or SEO or online digital ads whatever it is and they can do it for a fraction of the price. And even even if you can't do it, you can pay someone somewhere in the world to do it within your budget. I guarantee that's that's the case. And yet we have these ad agencies that are still charging enormous amounts of money to do what someone else can do for significantly less. So what I envision happening here is the really, really good ad agencies like the Weedon and Kennedys and the Grays and, and then that sort of thing, they're actually going to be fine. 
right? Because they have enough talent and enough cash flow and enough foresight to be able to change with the times and to make sure that they'll be around forever. And I actually still think that they hold a lot of value, right? Because they're not the kind of ad agency that's just kind of taking one off work and trying to keep people from tools. And they, they're on the cusp of a lot of things. And then actually on the other side of the scale, the very, very nimble niche agencies that are much smaller are going to be fine as well because they can dive into a platform like social media that changes every day and they can learn it and they can live in it and they can actually sell that information back to clients because it's a benefit to them. But the big losers in this, I think, are the medium-sized agencies, the ones that they need the campaigns to pay their bills, but they don't have enough uh, they don't have enough cash flow or speed to be able to keep up with all the changes. And so they're kind of lost in this middle. And a lot of them actually probably do government work, right? Because there's constant cash flow there for government work. And I really feel like within the next five years specifically, we're going to see a huge disruption in that marketplace. And a lot of you probably in bigger centers already are. But full context here where I live in Saskatchewan, things take a little bit of time. We're about five years behind industry trends with that sort of stuff. If you go to Vancouver, Toronto, you know they're usually up on it. Here in Regina, for whatever reason, we're still a bit slower. But I, I really feel like we're going to hit it. And so if you're ever – this is kind of funny. If you're an entrepreneur, feel free to take an idea like you know a juice truck and bring it to Saskatchewan. And you can actually make a lot of money by being what, what we would consider a first mover here. You know, that was kind of an, an aside. But I, what are your thoughts about advertising? I really feel like it's changing. And for the better for all of us that we're going to come back to large and small agencies that can deliver real value for the clients. And if you're one of those shysters who is still charging people enormous amounts of money for things that don't add value, then you are going to lose not only in cash flow but also in reputation. And I hope that you change your stripes as quickly as possible. That's today. As promised, three incredible – just kidding – just three hits that allow me to talk about things that I care about and that I'm passionate about and that I'm learning. And I'm going to start to throw some more – personal things in this because I feel like it's almost therapeutic for me to talk about this stuff, the things that I care about, the things that I think are real in our world. If you're just tuning in for the first time, this is 100 Days of Anchor. This is me committing to a process of improving every single day, my storytelling, my ability to carry a story, to carry a theme, to to try and be witty, to enunciate, to use inflection, all this sort of stuff. My hope is that when I go back and look at my very first anchor take, which took place probably 30-ish, 35 days ago, and when I fast forward to October 4th, which will be my very my 100th episode, that I'll be much improved. And hopefully I can translate every single one of those benefits into my job, into my daily life. So if you're listening for this, thank you so much for tuning in. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here, and I'm thankful for that. And feel free to call in. I want to know what's going on in your life. If you've got a station, let me know. I do listen to stuff. In fact, I listen to Anchor now instead of local radio because there's no ads, and it's much better content. Without without further ado, like I guess uh, there there that's my honest I'm making mistakes, but uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs>